What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for wrapping up your week with us. This is your Friday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a sports ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. That's E-T-H-O-S FantasyBB. Make sure you're following over there. If you're on Twitter, you get access to all of our latest drops, whether it be podcasts, articles, news and notes, different polls and questions that we put out on Twitter. Everything does get shared out at EthosFantasyBB. If you're not on there, you get most of that same content over at SportsEthos.com. I've been saying these last few days, like you get all of it. You don't get the same, like tweets throughout the day because you just can't get that when you're just on the website if you're not on twitter you're going to miss out on some of it you're still getting the vast majority of the content other than you know some of the fun stuff that we do on twitter that's a good reason to go and check it out most people have an account drop some follows on our accounts and you see all of the latest news and info from all of our guys a lot of fun stuff going on at ethos fantasy bb just in this last couple of days uh, we've had a couple of cross episodes with the in this league boys who are good friends of ours here at sports ethos going back to the hoop ball days uh, Scott Bogman and Chris Welsh, if you guys are unfamiliar, should definitely check out their work. I was a guest on their show. I guess it dropped Wednesday. I think it dropped Wednesday morning. That one was a lot of fun. We just went over some recent news and notes, player debates. Uh, great episode. A lot of fun with those guys. And then Scott Bogman came and guested on the It's Gone podcast with Britton Allen that did come out this morning. So make sure you guys are subscribing to not only this show, but It's Gone by Britton Allen as well. That is definitely something that you guys should be listening to. He's bringing on great guests every single week. It is a different style show than this show. That was something that the the upper ups were worried about when we're like, oh, we're bringing another baseball podcast. Is that going to you know cut into what you're doing? Britton does his own thing. Nobody is like him in the industry. He is so unique, and you definitely need to be checking out his work. So go follow him on Twitter at Britton Allen and go check out the It's Gone podcast. Scott Bogman this week. We've had a ton of great guests over there in these last couple weeks as well. But we are wrapping up the week today, as we usually do on Friday. We are going to look ahead later on in the show at some weekend streamers. We're going to talk about some notes from yesterday's games as well. And that was a very short slate. I believe it was seven games yesterday. So not as many things as usual to talk about. There was also a couple of interesting bits of information outside of the actual games. We're going to talk a little bit about some stuff. But like I said, wasn't so much activity yesterday. So a little bit limited in the actual news uh, part of it, but we're still going to go over uh, my typical news and notes uh, from the previous night's games. And then I've put out a question uh, over on Twitter just asking you guys to share out your trades that you've made so far this season. And at the end, we are going to talk about a couple of trades and maybe potential trades uh, that you guys are thinking about going over. But let's start off at the top here. The number one news uh, I think today is Von Grissom is getting recalled. Orlando Arcia is going to be on the shelf for an undetermined amount of time at this point. Uh, At the time of recording, they haven't announced an actual timetable, but he's on the 10-day IL. He's got a wrist fracture. Uh, He was hit by a pitch in his wrist the other day uh, against the Reds. Micro fracture that they found on an MRI. So he's going to be out, but Von Grissom, who I was very, very bullish on before the season, is going to get a chance now at the big league level. He's been recalled. He is a must-roster player in all formats. He's up to 54% rostered in Yahoo Leagues. He was at 34 uh, just a couple days ago, he's jumped up 20%. You can still get him. 54% is very far from 100, uh, but he's going to be scooped up pretty quickly now that people know he's going to be in the big leagues. Last year, very small sample size, 141 at-bats, but he batted 291. He had five homers, five stolen bases, 24 runs and 18 RBIs. Von Grissom, he's been cooking in the minors so far this year as well, kind of showing them that, hey, maybe uh, I should have started up at the big league level. I don't know what's going to happen when Arcia gets back because clearly they did want to go that route. They gave Arcia an extension, albeit a fairly low dollar value. I forget what it was. It was three years and 
I don't know, three, four million annual. It, it wasn't something crazy, but enough to say, okay, we're a little bit invested in this guy. Whereas Grissom, so far, sending him down, uh, that's not the biggest you know, vote of confidence in the young guy. But at the same time, with the skills he showcased, I feel like there's a good chance that he just takes the reins from this job while Arcia is out. He comes up, does even something close to what he did last year. Uh, I think he should be able to maintain that job even once Arcia is back. Now, Orlando Arcia this year has been somebody I've touted before this injury as being a pretty decent pickup. He had played every single game of the season, bottom of the order, but we've seen the Braves over these last couple of years. They got some guys who can feast at the bottom of the order for fantasy just because of how deep their lineup is. And Arcia threw 45 at bats, had 15 hits, a couple of home runs, you know, batting 333. He looked pretty sharp. Second base, shortstop, outfield eligible player. He was pretty damn interesting. He's going to be out now. I wouldn't really recommend holding on to him. If you have an IL spot, then sure, it doesn't hurt anybody, but I just, I'm kind of not really so sure about what kind of role he's going to have going forward now. I don't expect it to be the longest IL stint from what they've said. It doesn't sound too, too serious. Microfracture, you're probably looking at a few weeks, maybe three weeks. Again, I'm very far from being a doctor, but I think that you're probably looking at shorter rather than longer. I just expect that Grissom will come up and showcase his talents and probably uh, regain that kind of, um, you know, the way that they viewed him last season because they were pretty high on him last season and it seems like they kind of went a little cold on him maybe from the defensive standpoint I'm not really sure if it was anything service time related I'm not the greatest with those kind of rules I don't really think it was something to do with that I think it was more to do with his defense but I I don't really know why they went that route to begin the year with uh, with Arcia in the bigs to be honest with you I, I don't know why but now I think Grissom will probably take over the reins, and he's going to get shortstop eligibility as well. So he's already second base eligible, one of the more scarce positions. Give him a few, depending on where you are, um, and depending on your league format, it might be five games, it might be 10 games. If you're NFBC, it'll be 10 games. I think Yahoo and ESPN, CBS, uh, Fantrax, I think those ones are all five games. I could be wrong about CBS because I don't play on CBS, uh, but I'm fairly certain it's five games of eligibility there. Um, and then he will, or five games played at shortstop, and he will have that eligibility. So if you need a shortstop, because shortstop has lost quite a few members of their ranks these last couple of days, Tim Anderson, Corey Seager, O'Neill Cruz, it's been a tough kind of week or so, and even Arcia now as well added to that list. Uh, I think Vaughn Grissom is definitely somebody who should be added in all, every and all format. Uh, 54% rostered, that's just going to keep shooting up. It's probably lower on ESPN, it typically is, but I've kind of let go of ESPN. I don't play there anymore. I'm on ESP, I'm on uh, Yahoo, Fantrax, and NFBC at this point, but he's probably even lower on ESPN. I would definitely take a look at Von Grissom. He is a must-add for me in all formats. Let's talk about Javi Baez. My God, what the hell happened to Javier Baez? It is actually awful to watch him play baseball at this point couple of gaffes last night uh, in the Blue Jay game. Now, he first, he forgot how many outs there were. Uh, there was a ball that was hit the center field. He forgot how many outs there were. I think there was uh, there was just one out at the time, and he just ran around third, didn't try and tag up or anything like that. He just head in the clouds, head in the sky. He got doubled up. And there was something else, um, I think the day before, where he had, there was another base running gaffe that he had. I forget what it was now, but there's been a couple of things now in, in the last couple of days with Baez and he actually got benched. Uh, he's pulled from Thursday's game and I'm just trying to remember what that's, what that other thing was. Cause there was something else as well, I think, but it's just really ugly for Baez, even aside of him being kind of 
checked out mentally. His actual play has been atrocious. His five hits in his first 41 at-bats, no homers, no steals. Awful. Absolutely awful. I don't really see much reason to be holding Javier Baez in any format. At the Well, okay, I shouldn't say any format. Like AL only, uh, 15 team leagues, you're probably still holding him, but I don't think that he is a must-roster player. Like Even in standard 15 team leagues, I don't know that he's really going to cut it. Like Maybe he does just because shortstop is so decimated that you kind of are like, okay, if I drop him, who else am I going to go to in a 15-teamer? There's not that many options, but he has been awful. And this is not something that is new with Javier Baez. The last couple of seasons, he has been trending in the wrong direction for fantasy viability. I I bought into him on one team this year. Uh, I'm still holding on because that's a 15-teamer, and he's he's on very, very thin ice in that one. It's it's not. I don't. I just don't have any faith that he's going to turn it around at this point. And it, and it sucks because he's had some incredible fantasy seasons. He used to be like a 270, 280 hitter. You look at 2015 through 2019: 289, 273, 273, 290, 281, and then it fell off a cliff in 2020. Rebounded a bit in 21, and it's just been awful in these last couple of years. His O swing percentage, which is the percentage of the time you swing a pitch, is outside of the zone is up over 50% of the time, which I believe is far and away the worst in baseball. He's just He just sucks, and I don't think that there is much of a need to hold him anymore. He is just completely checked out. Now he's going to be back in the lineup tonight, but at this point, I don't, I don't really see Javier Baez as being a viable fantasy asset unless you are absolutely strapped for players. If you're just hoping for some kind of rebound or he's, he's going to come back or whatever, I don't see it. I saw somebody suggest the other day, I think it might have been somebody from Barstool, I don't follow any of those guys. It just came up in my feed that a uh, change of scenery would help him out. He just got a change of scenery. He, he just, he's been here for a year. Like, what, what do you mean a change of scenery? I, I don't understand what that even means. I don't know what Detroit is. You know, he went to Detroit willingly. Uh, I don't know what that really whole thing is about. I think he's just kind of cooked at this point, which is awful to think because he's only 30. But I just don't see uh, much room for fantasy viability anymore with Javier Baez. He's a drop for me outside of the deepest of leagues. I, I, I don't see him as being somebody that you really need to be holding on to at this point. All right, let's talk about my notes from last night. Let's talk some quick hits. Edward Julian, I, apparently he wants to be called Eddie. I don't know. I, I was listening to that podcast with Britton Allen and Scott Bogman before I started uh, recording here. Apparently, he wants to be called Eddie. I'm not sure what he wants to be called, but we can call him whatever he likes because he is fantastic. He hit a home run. He has massive power and speed potential, and he's also somebody who is pretty likely to hit at the top of the order, I think, for Minnesota. Now, there's a question about playing time when the rest of their team gets healthy. You know, Buxton has kind of been DHing, and there's uh, Larnick has been hurt as well, and Gallo's out, and there's Polanco is out. There's just a lot of different moving pieces in and out of the injured list. So there's a question about playing time. But when you look at what he does from an on-base percentage point of view, 441 on-base percentage in the minors last year, nearly a 20% walk rate. You know, he's going to be pretty regularly in the leadoff spot. And he is, we did go back down to the bottom of the order for tonight's game. He'll be batting eighth, but he's still in the starting lineup. I think that he might bounce around a little bit, but over time, those on-base skills, I don't know why they'd have him anywhere but the one or the two spot in the order. He was 10% rostered last night when I sent out my uh, my notes, or this morning, I guess, I typed them out last night. Jumped up to 13%. I thought it would go even higher, but I think that he is somebody where you can kind of speculate on him at this point, even in 12-team leagues. I, I would take a chance on him because of those on-base skills, the power, speed, potential. You know, 17 homers, 19 steals in AA last year. Quick stint in AAA this year did well and came right up to the bigs. I'd expect him to stick, I think, 
Uh, as long as there's, you know, everybody doesn't get healthy all at once, there's going to be some kind of injury concerns. I think there, Buxton's always going to be a concern. They got some guys on that team who kind of always have some concerns. Polanco, who knows if he's going to fully come back and be healthy. Uh, I, I don't know that necessarily uh, it's going to be uh, just a short stream with Julian, but even if it is, uh, you know, there's potential there for good home run, good stolen base, and decent batting average numbers as well. So even on-base percentage leagues, must absolute must-add everywhere. And I think even in your standard 12-team Roto leagues, uh, I think that he is going to be somebody where you should be adding him up at this point. If it doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out, but he's the exact kind of upside play that you should take a gamble on at this point of the year and drop somebody who's a little more fringy. Estuary Ruiz, I always butcher his name, Estuary, Estuary. Uh, he's been a little bit frustrating, but he's got his average actually up to 293 at this point. He's got a couple of steals. He's had pretty strong batting averages in the minors. It makes me think that he can actually maintain a decent clip. Maybe not something crazy, but like 260, 270. It's the speed that's kind of pissed everybody off. Because with Ruiz, we drafted him hoping for, you know, 50, 60, 80, 100 steals, whatever people were envisioning. He's only got a couple so far, but I think that more the more he gets comfortable at the big league level, the more that he is in the leadoff spot and getting on base. I think that he is going to run more. So I wouldn't be too worried with Ruiz about um, the amount of times that he is stealing to this point of the year. Because, yes, it is frustrating, and especially when you see the way that everybody has been stealing bases at this point. I'm just giving him uh, more time, especially because you look at the results, right? His batting average is very strong. He is kind of in and out of that leadoff spot. Sometimes he is, sometimes he isn't. But I think there's no reason to move on from him unless you really, truly, like, need stats. But even, like, I don't think anybody really truly needs stats at this point. Like, the way I phrased it in my tweet was, if you're able to hold still, I'd recommend it. I mean, if there's somebody who is just, if he's the worst player on your team, if you're in a really shallow league, and there is somebody on your waiver wire who is just looking absolutely fantastic, sure, okay, I would understand it. <clears throat> but I would do what you can to hold Ruiz. I think it would be a lot better if you just ride it out uh, as opposed to... Um, as opposed to dropping him and then somebody else picks him up. And maybe that is the way it will go. But I think at this point, there's still enough upside there with steals and even a little bit of pop, you know, decent power as well. Good batting averages. There's enough upside there across the board, even in a shitty lineup uh, where I would still be holding on to him if you can. Let's talk Yandy Diaz. Now we've talked about him a little bit. I think he should have been added up quite a while back. He was, when I typed this out last night, 64% on Yahoo. He's up to 68%. He's been a top 50 player this year, four home runs, 13 runs scored, nine RBIs. Now, he's batting 275, which is actually on the low end of what you're probably going to see from him. He's very capable of hitting 300. The increased power has been very lovely to see. Four home runs in 40 at-bats. Last year, he had nine home runs in 473. So I love to see that increased pop at the top of a very good lineup where he is playing nearly every single day. He has sat twice this year, but you're, you're comfortable enough with his playing time where you can easily start him in a weekly league and be comfortable Corner, infield eligible guy, first and third. I, he shouldn't be available anywhere. I, I don't think he should be available even in 10-team leagues. Andy Diaz is a hot, should be a, a hotter commodity than he is considering his situation. There's nothing not to like. He helps you everywhere. We've talked about this. couple of steals. Home runs could be close to 20 this year if he keeps this up. To go along with close to a 300 average, maybe even 280, 290, I'll take that in any league, in any format, any size. If you, know, if you want to say maybe not in an 8-team league, Maybe. I won't really fight you on that. But even in an eight-team league, in your shallowest of shallow leagues, I think Andy Diaz will probably have some good value this year. Austin Hayes, he has been awesome to start the season off. He's 16 for 47, which is a 340 batting average. 12 runs, three homers, six ribbies, and one steal. 
Now, I was kind of projecting him last night, and I think that, honestly, the upside here, and it might not even be too crazy to expect, is a 270 batting average, 20 homers, 80 runs, 80 RBIs, and a couple, maybe five steals. That's what I was saying. I think that he is somebody where if you need any kind of outfield help, he is who I would turn to. He's jumped up to 48% rostered, still available in a lot of leagues. I, I think I would add him up now, though. He is somebody where we've seen in the past 20-plus home runs, good, solid lineup. He's usually in the middle there. He has let off a few times. He's bounced around uh, a little bit, but generally we're seeing him in the middle of the lineup. He's let off a couple times as well, but he's in a pretty good situation there uh, to give you a pretty good fantasy season out of the Orioles lineup. So take a look and see if you can still get your hands on Austin Hayes if you need an outfielder. Brent Rooker. A lot of people will not know Brent Rooker, but honestly, at this point, it wouldn't shock me if he turns out has the best hitter on the Oakland A's. He's up to only 3% rostered in Yahoo leagues. Understandable. He is still kind of, uh, you know, not really somebody who's well-known, but he's hit three home runs in his last two games. He's gone six for his last 12, nine RBIs. He might be the best hitter in that lineup. I think he's a watch list guy uh, in 12s, and he's an ad in 15-team leagues. He's been in the good prime spots of that order, fourth, fourth, and third, Early in the season, he played a couple times, but he has gotten regular playing time over these last few games. I'm looking to add him in 15-team leagues, but uh, I'm just watchlisting him in those shallower formats for the time being. But definitely somebody that you should be keeping an eye on. Spencer Steer is actually putting together a pretty quietly solid season out there in Cincinnati. 13 for his first 40, which is a 325 average. Six runs, two homers, and six RBIs. Could be a really, really solid option as like a corner infield uh, guy there in your deeper leagues. And even potentially in your shallower leagues if he's able to keep up what he's doing so far. First and third base eligible. Batting, he typically, again, this kind of time of year, lineups are still bouncing around. He's either been second or seventh in the order. But I think, you know, daily changes deeper leagues specifically. If you're able to plug him in there at home, I'm definitely uh, going to be pretty interested in Spencer Steer. I think there's potential for some 12-team value as well as we keep going this season. Not 100% sure, but in that ballpark, anything is possible. I think that the upside is worth gambling on. Only 11% rostered right now. My last note from yesterday, Wilson Contreras. He stole a base yesterday, but he has just been brutal. Uh, you know, I put up that poll last week, Logan O'Hoppy, Wilson Contreras. Almost half the people who responded, which was, I think, 550, 600 people, said that they would take O'Hoppy. You know, it was about half and half. I think it was 52 to 48, 53, 47, something like that in the way the poll was split. It's crazy. Uh, I, I think it's crazy. I'm still going for Wilson in the middle of that lineup. I'm not worried about him at all. You can probably try and get him for a song at this point. Seven for his first 41, no homers, only a couple of ribbies. Now, he did take, I forget if it was a foul pitch or if it was a pitch directly. I think it was a Jordan Hicks. Somebody threw a, a scorcher and it hit him right in the knee and he had to miss a game, and that might have thrown him off a little bit. But I think that overall, you're still looking at somebody who is going to be completely fine. Wilson Contreras is definitely somebody that I would be interested in trying to buy low on. The price is probably going to look pretty, pretty nice at this point. So see what you can do if you're unhappy with your current catcher. Let's talk weekend streamers. Now, I sent out a tweet earlier today. There's five guys that I'm looking at this weekend. They're all pitching on Saturday. Sunday is an absolute wasteland of streaming because there's a lot of good pitchers going, and there's also a couple of really shitty ones. So let's talk Sunday before we talk Saturday, just to walk you guys through the lack of options here. McClanahan and Manoa in Toronto, that's not going to be something, obviously, where you can stream. Logan Webb and Matthew Boyd. Matthew Boyd would be, like, the most preferable guy here, but even then, I'm not really so confident. I don't know that there's... I know a lot of people like Matthew Boyd, but... Really not a lot of confidence there. You got Reed Detmers and Garrett Whitlock. 
Detmers is already rostered. Whitlock, a lot of the times, is rostered. And I don't even know if I really would want to use him against the Angels. You got Pablo Lopez and Garrett Cole. You got Shane Bieber and Patrick Corbin. Zach Allen and Sandy Alcantara. Aaron Nola and Luis Sessa. You know, Grayson Rodriguez and Dylan Cease. Kyle Wright and Zach Grinke. Uh, Mitch Keller and Miles Michaelis. Max Scherzer, J.P. Sears. There's a lot of good matchups. There's just nobody to stream because there are a lot of these aces going. You know, Heaney and Valdez, Wade Miley and Darvish. Well, Darvish, or excuse me, Miley is not an ace, but you're not going to stream him going into San Diego on your Sunday when your week is on the line most likely. No, all of our options here that I think are mostly viable are going to come on the Saturday. Starting with Tony Disco, Anthony DiSclefani at Detroit, Seth Lugo versus Milwaukee, Steven Matz versus Pittsburgh, Bryce Elder versus Kansas City, and Ryan Nelson versus Miami. It's been an awful week for streaming, but we're actually getting some decent, solid options here. It's kind of a shame they're all coming on the same day. But at the same time, pretty happy to use all of these guys. These Clefani's looked good. Great matchup against Detroit. Seth Lugo has also looked very good. Not as tasty of a matchup as this go. But at Milwaukee or versus Milwaukee at home, I think that that's something where you can very reasonably stream heading into the weekend. Steven Matz versus Pittsburgh. Now, it has not been so great for Steven Matz so far. This one is more matchup-based, hoping you can get yourself into a win. Again, he has not looked good. This is more just hoping for the best. But at the same time, Steven Matz has also faced Atlanta and the, the Rockies at Coors. So hard to hold that against him. I think he's more of a deeper league guy, but still somebody I'm interested in. Bryce Elder, he's looked very good so far. He gets Kansas City. Now, he's mostly rostered at this point, up to 68%. But even if you're not somebody who believes in the long-term viability of him, and I'm probably counting myself among that crowd, I don't know that he's going to be a rest-of-season guy necessarily. But the way he's performed so far, I'm definitely going to be comfortable streaming him against Kansas City. And then Ryan Nelson. Uh, this one also mostly comes down to matchup. He is facing the Marlins, and that one is going to be in Milwaukee, or excuse me, in Miami. Now, he's only 3% rostered. It hasn't been the greatest start to the season for him so far. And again, he's probably more of a deeper league guy, but he's more viable, I think, than anybody going on Sunday. So those are the five guys that I would look at. The order that I would place them in in terms of viability, I would probably say DiSclefani, one, Elder, two, Lugo, three, and then Matt's four, Nelson five. But four and five are very close there. Uh, but Tony Disco would be the guy that I, I'm really looking to add. Sunday is just not really going to be looking that good uh, in terms of the streams, unless there is something that gets changed around, uh, which I'm really doubting at this point. It looks like it's just going to be kind of a bad day for streamers. That is pretty much it outside of what I've opened up here on Twitter. And it looks like we've actually got a lot of responses uh, talking about some of the trades that you guys have made. So let's talk about a few of them. We've got 11 responses so far at this point, and I actually haven't seen uh, a lot of these so far. So this, I'm going to be seeing them for the first time as you guys are hearing them. Um, so was asked, um, offered Reed Detmers and Musgrove for Nicoladolo points league. No, I, I think uh, I'm going with Nicoladolo there, as tempting as it might be to get the two for the one. Detmers has not looked so sharp so far this season. You know, it hasn't been the greatest. Toronto got to him a little bit. Seattle's start was okay, but he didn't even make it through five there to start the year. I think Detmers is very good, uh, but what Nick Lodolo is doing at this point has just been exceptional. Uh, you know, he's pitching to the tune of a 2-1-2 ERA, 27 Ks through 17 innings. He's looked good in all of his starts. You know, he mowed down Philadelphia twice, really, uh, but one specifically there, seven strong shutout innings, 12 strikeouts. 
He's looked really good, so I am sticking with Nick Lodolo there as opposed to Musgrove and Detmers. Musgrove, we don't know how he's going to look when he comes back. I don't know that it'll be anything to worry about, uh, but I'm taking what we've seen so far this season. Uh, next one, traded Vinny Pasquantino and Bobby Witt Jr. for Wander Franco and George Kirby. It's good to get Wander Franco, and I think the price that you paid is actually fairly reasonable. Now, Bobby Witt was going as a very high draft pick. He was probably pretty overdrafted. I talked about this a lot if you guys are listening. He was my fifth-ranked third baseman coming into the year. Now, he's, he's pulled it up a little bit, and part of that has helped, uh, was helped by the three stolen bases he had the other day. He's up to two homers, five steals. He was a 20-30 guy last year. There's definitely potential for uh, a massive season from him and from Vinny Pasquantino, who has looked not you know maybe as good as we would have hoped but really not that bad either he's batting 293 two home runs like he's been pretty solid uh you know if you're just looking at rankings a lot of people do look at rankings on yahoo or whatever he's ranked 289th for the season so i'd understand why you'd be able to kind of buy a little bit low on him um you know and george kirby and franco side you know that's a really really nice side uh to be getting in that trade i think either side is, is really nice but george kirby i am a huge george kirby fan i believe i had him just outside or just inside the top 20 pitchers for the season. I don't have my rankings up in front of me, and there's too much information baseball-wise in my head to remember exactly where he was. But he was about the 20th SP that I had. You know, he had that kind of rough first start against the Angels, looked a lot better against Cleveland last time out. And as a side note, Kirby's only 91% rostered in Yahoo leagues. I cannot believe that one in 10 leagues has him just on the waiver wire. Uh, That is crazy. But I think that uh, getting Wander Franco and George Kirby is probably the side that I would prefer in this trade. It, it's very close, but the way that Franco has performed, the way that Kirby, I expect him to perform, uh, I think that will outdo the duo of Pasquantino and Witt. I don't know that there is that many counting stats that are really going to be had in that lineup. Even though Witt was like an 80-80 guy last year, I think that's probably about the most we're going to see out of him. You know, you're still getting those steals out of Franco, probably to a lesser extent. You're losing a bit of power, but you're gaining a really solid pitcher who is a borderline ace for fantasy, I think. You know, George Kirby, some people might push back on that, but I think George Kirby is like a top 20, close to a top 20 pitcher for fantasy. So I'm pretty happy uh, with that one there. Uh, trading Vinny Pasquantino and Bobby Witt, once again, for Wander Franco and George Kirby. I'm, I'm happy with the Wander Franco side. Next up, received Adelise Garcia for Miles Straw and Jose Leclerc. Received Adelise Garcia for Miles Straw and Jose Leclerc. That is a really nice trade. Now, Leclerc, uh, I wasn't that sold on him coming into the year. I thought, you know, he's probably going to be the guy in Texas, but at the same time, not really getting a lot of opportunities so far, and that's just kind of been the team context. Um, But, you know, to this point of the season, he's thrown four in a third innings. He's got one save, four strikeouts. Miles Straw, I think I've talked about this a lot. He's going to be a drop. Like, I don't think Miles Straw is going to have fantasy viability outside of the next week or so. He's batting at the bottom of the order. He's only pretty much a one-category guy. He steals bases for you. But that's it. Like, you're not really getting much else out of Miles Straw. You're getting Adelise Garcia, who I know a lot of people are still skeptical on. But Adelise Garcia has kind of proven it over these last couple of years that he is a dude for fantasy. Even if he's not going to come with the highest batting average, last year was 250. To go along with 27 homers, 25 steals, and 101 RBIs. Two years in a row where he has put up massive numbers. And I think we are at the point where, for me personally, I'm definitely buying into what he is selling us. Very, very happy to do that trade. I thought it was a great trade. Uh, assuming, you know, you got some security there with closers. Assuming Leclerc wasn't somebody that you were really going to rely on. Let's say you punted closers and Leclerc was your first closer you took or something like that. I don't expect that based on what... Uh, 
you know, just generally, he's probably not the first closer you took. Uh, I think that likely this is a very, very good move for you here, Garrett. Uh, next up, Jack is saying, uh, not his trade, but somebody in his league traded Julio. I have to assume Julio Rodriguez. Good God. For Kyle Schwarber and Jorge Mateo. Oh, my God. That's the moment of, that's like a moment of silence worthy. Okay, we had our moment of silence. Good Lord. Trading Julio for Kyle Schwarber and Jorge Mateo is a big, big mistake. Like, okay, I'm a big Jorge Mateo fan. I think that he is really undervalued in the fantasy community. He's got decent pop. He's got, you know, he's going to steal 100 bases. For, okay, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but he's going to steal a lot of bases for you. He's already got seven so far leading the league. I think he's a great player. Kyle Schwarber is clutch as all hell. You know, he is somebody that you can rely on in big spots. He's going to give you his close to 40 dingers, albeit with a bad batting average, a couple of chip-in steals, you know, great counting stats in that lineup. I, those are two great pieces. But in a keeper league, this is in a keeper league, this is a bad, bad trade for this guy trading Julio Rodriguez. He is, at worst, a top-five asset in keeper leagues, keeper-slash-dynasty leagues. At worst, the top-five asset. Acuna... You know, Soto, I'm not, you know, somebody who's a huge dynasty player. But this is brutal. Like, you you can't be doing that kind of thing. Now, Julio's start, we haven't really heard a lot about Julio. And I don't know how many podcasts you guys generally listen to. We haven't really heard a lot about him. It's been more quiet. But at the same time, two home runs, four stolen bases. It's like, this is selling low on Julio for no reason whatsoever. Bad trade. Really, really, really bad trade. Okay, let's talk about another one. Ronald Acuna traded for Hugh Darvish, Urias, and Xander Bogarts. Urias, I have to assume it's Julio here. There's no other Urias that would make sense if it was Luis or Ramon. Uh, really, really, truly would be a bad trade. With Julio Urias, it's not bad. Ronald Acuna, and I wonder if this is a keeper league or if this is a redraft league. I think Acuna is still who I would prefer here, but you know Bogarts has done very well so far. He's in a great lineup. Urias has done, you know... <laughs> I, again, he's doing great things. I don't know how sustainable it is considering the profile, considering the lack of strikeouts and the ground balls, but he's done very well so far again. You Darvish, you know, he's coming off a rough start against the Mets, but that kind of thing will happen against a good offense from time to time. You know, a solid three pieces there, but I think at the same time, Ronald Acuna is so valuable as, like, I think he's still probably going to be very close to the number one overall player in fantasy so uh, this season. He's number five right now. He's got two home runs, six stolen bases, and he's batting 370. He was my number one player coming into the year. I wasn't able to draft him anywhere because all of my draft picks came in the back half of drafts this year. It sucked. I wanted to get Acuna at least one time. But, man, he has looked really good. I don't know what really this does for you. Uh, trading Acuna for, I mean, maybe your team based, you know, you needed pitching, you needed a shortstop because everybody needs a shortstop right now. Maybe you were flush for outfield depth. In terms of just straight value, it's not terrible. It's not bad. You know, you're, you're recouping enough value where it's not like a holy shit. You, you, you're a moron. You traded Acuna for nothing. It's not anywhere near that bad, but I would still have, have leaned towards uh, keeping the Ronald Acuna side here, I think for sure. All right, next up, DeGrom, Rodon, Jazz for Tatis, Kershaw, and Newtbar. Needed outfield help and not high on Jazz. No, I think I'd still take the DeGrom side there. DeGrom is incredible. Rodon's going to be back soon, and Jazz is potentially a top 50 fantasy player still. Like, I, I, he said he's not big on Jazz. 
I'm pretty big on Jazz, like considering what he can do. Even in just like 200 at bats last year, 14 homers, 12 steals. The batting average isn't going to be great, but he has like legitimate 30 30 upside. DeGrom is the best pitcher in baseball when healthy. And so far, knock on wood, he has been healthy. And Rodon, I mean, he's going to be back soon. He could be a huge asset to people who were able to get a discount on him in draft season. Those are three excellent pieces. Now, Tatis, again, he could he could be amazing. Number one kind of player in fantasy, amazing. Even with the missed time, he has that kind of upside in that lineup. He could be. Kershaw, I love Clayton Kershaw. You know, I have him in a couple of teams this year. He is very dependable and reliable. But at the same time... Uh, Lars Newbar being the third piece in that trade does kind of throw some cold water on it for me. You know, I love Newbar. I love me some Newt, but Lars Newbar is by far and away the worst player in that trade. You know, three stars on one side and then two stars plus Newbar on the other side. Now, could Newbar be a star down the line somewhere? Yes. He's not at this point, especially coming off an injury. Who knows what he's going to be like? He went 0 for 5 in his first rehab start today. I'm still very much in on Newtbar, but he drags that side of the trade down for me pretty substantially. Also, we got to consider Tatis coming back off of the injury and also off of the PED is what he's going to look like. And Kershaw is no spring chicken. Now, there's worry on both sides. You know, Jazz has some injury concerns. Rodon does. DeGrom does. It is a risky trade for both sides here, but I think at the end of the day, uh, DeGrom, Rodon, and Jazz would be uh, a greater return for me than Tatis, Kershaw, and Newtbar. Next up, traded away Gosman in a head-to-head points league for Musgrove, Starling Marte, and Renfro. Or Musgrove slash Starling Marte and Renfro. So maybe he, I don't know if that's kind of weird because he said slash and then and. So I don't know if you got all three of these guys. Yeah, it's a fine trade. You know, Gosman is, is a top 10 fantasy starting pitcher for me at worst. I think he is. He was ninth in my rankings preseason. That one I do remember specifically because it's the top 10. You kind of just burned into your head. Um, but I, I think the other side is reasonable enough. Now, Marte, you know, there are some injury concerns there, and he has already kind of worried us a little bit here and there in and out of the lineup. There's been neck problems, and there was also, I want to say, maybe a back. There's been a couple of little things that have held him out of a couple games. Now, he's still got a home run, four stolen bases. He's batting atop a fantastic lineup. Well, not a top, but he's batting second in a great lineup, one of the best in baseball. Marte is great. Renfro is also very solid. You know, uh, So far this year, he has been really, really good. He is top 100 player, three home runs, nine RBIs, a 295 batting average. Batting behind those guys where he is in that order are going to lead to a lot of RBIs. So the two outfielders you got, and you said you needed outfield badly, to go along with Joe Musgrove, who is still, at worst, like a top 25, maybe, maybe at worst, top 30 fantasy starting pitcher. I am, I'm still, I think it's a reasonable trade. Now, would I personally have had the cojones to give away Gosman with how good he's looked? I don't know. Uh, but considering team need, uh, this is a totally fine trade as far as I see it. Matt Chapman and Bieber for Jose Ramirez. Matt Chapman and Bieber for Jose Ramirez. That is a hell of a return. I mean, Matt Chapman to this point of the year has been the number one fantasy player, but it's unsustainable as all hell. He's batting 489, you know, three home runs, 15 ribbies, 10 runs scored. The ribbies can be legit. Like, he could legitimately be a 100 RBI guy this year, um, but he's not going to maintain anywhere close to that batting average. You can literally cut that in half. Um, and with Shane Bieber, you know, Shane Bieber, uh, he worries me a little bit. You know, he doesn't strike out as many batters as maybe we hope he would. Uh, you know, there's still kind of an injury history with him there. 
Um, but to get Jose Ramirez back, like, you know, he was going as the number one overall pick in a lot of drafts. You're buying low on him because he hasn't hit a home run this year. He's ranked, if you're just looking at Yahoo rankings, he's outside of the top 140. He's at 144 right now. Still batting 294 on the season. Uh, but, you know, that ranking, people will, will look at that ranking. I would definitely prefer Jose Ramirez, uh, but congratulations on capitalizing on Matt Chapman's hot start and getting back somebody who was legitimately taken at a lot of high stakes leagues, you know, where you're paying close to 2000 upwards of 2000 depending on your currency uh, for entry fees. Some people were taking Ramirez as their number one overall pick. So you're getting, you're getting him for a guy like in Matt Chapman, who was drafted in the one twenties, one forties and Shane Bieber, who was going, uh, 60s, 70s. So you've capitalized quite handsomely there uh, early on in the season. So well done there, uh, Mr. Fly here on Twitter. <laughs> uh, next one, we bought Outman, sold Ashcraft. It's close, though. Team context important. But yeah, that's totally reasonable, I think. Outman is going to have a very, very regular role uh, in that Dodgers lineup he has so far this season. I think there's a chance that he's able to move himself up a little bit farther even uh, but what he's done so far this year has been very impressive, and so has what Graham Ashcraft has done. I'm a big guy, big Graham Ashcraft fan. Okay, maybe not a big fan, but I like I like what he does. I maybe overstated that a bit there. I like what he does a lot uh, so far this year in his th- uh, two starts, not three starts. His two starts, he's got a W, he's got a 2.08 ERA, uh, 13 Ks and 13 innings. I think this is a totally reasonable, fair trade for both sides. Next one, I received Sonny Gray in exchange for Charlie Blackman. Opposite team used up all weekly pickups early, and some of his players were injured. Well, I would much rather take Sonny Gray than Charlie Blackman at this point. Sonny Gray has looked fantastic. We talked about him as being like a sell-high kind of guy. Um, But Charlie Blackman, I think, is not going to be such a great fantasy asset. He's interesting if you can start him at Coors, not have to worry about him when he is on the road, you know, daily changes kind of thing. But I'm still taking Sonny Gray, uh, considering how hard it is to find reliable pitching, especially this year. You know, what Bra- uh, what Blackman's giving you so far this year has been very good. He's batting 341. Uh, you know, he's got a homer. He's got six runs scored, four RBIs. He's still batting, you know, fairly close to the top of that order. But there's fairly limited upside, I think, in Charlie Blackman at this stage of his career. I actually need to look up how old he is, because it could be 38, 37. Like, he's... He's no spring chicken anymore. Wow, he's only 36, actually. He's going to be 37 in a couple of months. But at this point of his career, you know, he's a good batting average asset probably. But even last year was 264. I'm not sure how solidified that is going to be. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy there uh, if you get the sunny gray side in that trade. That seems very, very reasonable to me. Um, now, have we gone through everything here? I think we've gone through... Yeah, we've gone through all of these trades. Actually, no, sorry. There was one more. Um, now, it was a prospect trade, and I'm definitely I'm not going to be able to help you here. I'm sorry. I'm not somebody who is well-versed enough in prospects to be able to give you a proper valuation. Termar Johnson for Jordan Westberg. You know, I would definitely recommend, if you're listening here, Steve, um, who asked the question, reach out to guys like Chris Welsh. It is the Welsh. Uh, Eric Cross, Chris Clegg, James Anderson. Those are guys uh, that we really trust in the, in the dynasty slash prospect community. That would be more than happy, I'm sure, if you tweeted them to answer uh, your questions there. Uh, so those are your trades that you have received or given so far. Actually, one just came in here, uh, just as I said that here. Uh, two of them actually just came in here. Uh, I got Nestor Cortez for Brian Anderson and John Gray. Beautiful. Brian Anderson is going to be a drop. I like John Gray. You know, uh, uh, John Gray is a really, really good pitcher, but Nestor Cortez is a far superior pitcher, I think, in a better context for team as well. So well done there with that trade. And the other one here, which side do you like better? Uh, Pablo Sandoval for Miguel Vargas or Sandoval for Detmers? 
Uh, I prefer Detmers there if you get your choice. Um, you know, even though, like we said, it hasn't been the greatest start to the season for him, uh, I'll, I'll take Detmers, I think, over over Sandoval. You know, it, it's it's relatively close, I think, but the upside is greater uh, in terms of what Detmers can give you. Sandoval's been pretty good so far, uh, very good through his first two starts, but I, I think still Detmers is the way I would go there. Vargas I like, uh, but at the same time, he hasn't been, you know, so great so far this season. He's been okay. A lot of people have dropped him. He's batting 200, five runs, three ribbies. It's still very early, uh, but I think in that situation, I am taking uh, Reed Detmers there. Now, I think that's all of them. Uh, a lot of questions here. So, uh, you know, thank you guys for sending in all of these questions. You know what? I lied. There is one last one. We'll get to one last one here. Uh, Strider, Varsho, and Harris for Burns, Tatis, and Kyle Raleigh. Um, no, I'm taking the Strider side there. Strider, that's, that's a beefy, beefy trade. I'm assuming this is Michael Harris. Uh, for Corbin Burns, Tatis, Cal Raleigh is similar to that Newpar trade where Cal Raleigh, uh, you know, apologies to Mariner fans, especially our friend Sam Wershing if he's listening, but Cal Raleigh does kind of bring down uh, that trade there. You're looking at three stars on one side for fantasy versus two stars and one less of a star there. Uh, it's a points league, uh, so Raleigh's batting average doesn't bring you down as much there, but still... Uh, I'm I'm taking the Strider and Varsho and Harris side. All right, guys, that is it for all the trade questions. I appreciate the flurry of activity on Twitter. Uh, you know, all the new follows and new people who are subscribing and everything. It really does help out because exercises like that are a lot more fruitful. If I send out a tweet like that and I get you know 15 responses like I got, as opposed to back in the day when I first started out, you know, send in your trade questions and you get one or two. Uh, so you guys following on Twitter, being very active there in the comment sections. Really, really appreciate that. That does help the engagement, does help people to find me and find Sports Ethos in this podcast and all of our work in general. So really, really appreciate all of that. You are going to find our pickups article tomorrow done by somebody else other than me, I think. I have some plans tonight. I I might still do it, but I think it will likely be done by somebody else. Usually that is me uh, on Saturday, but I think we are going to do a little bit of a switcheroo because I am uh, meeting up with some old friends tonight. But guys, I appreciate all of the all of the help. Like I said, uh, make sure you're checking us out over on Twitter. I'm at Joe Orico 99. The show and all of our other baseball fantasy baseball content can be found at Ethos E T H O S Fantasy B B. And you can get all of that other great work that we got going on at SportsEthos.com. You can also get it added up uh, into our Discord. We are still adding people in over there. We're about 1,700 members, free side and premium side as well. Anybody can join the free side, of course. And if you are a member to one of our premium packages, then you guys can, of course, uh, you know, message me or Dan Bespris uh, at Dan, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. If you are a premium subscriber and you can get access to the premium side of that Discord where you get all kinds of fun stuff from our different wagering people and the baseball uh, writers that we got going on. We have, we have all the premium stuff is really great because you have that access to the different writers on the baseball, basketball, football side where you can ask questions, uh, 24-hour answers. Now, might not answer immediately, uh, but we'll get back to you there on the Discord uh, for sure and on Twitter as well, guys. But that is enough rambling out of me. Hope you guys enjoyed that little trade segment. Let me know if that's something you guys want to see us do again. But we will wrap it up here. Until next week, guys, take care. Have a great weekend. Stay safe, and we will see you on Monday. Cheers. Cheers.